Welcome to this podcast of the Sunday Message from Hope Gateway, a United Methodist community in Portland, Maine. If you live locally, we'd love to have you join us for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. Visit our website at www.hopegateway.com to learn more. But whether you live near or far, we hope you find this message to be meaningful. Wherever you are, join us in doing justice, loving kindness, and walking humbly with God. once again talking about non-toxic Christianity. We don't really want any toxic things in our life, right? We don't want toxic products. We don't want toxic people. We definitely don't want toxic Christianity. So last week, Ophelia, um, as she was sharing the message about no bad people, no, no people are bad, you or anybody else, not bad, right? Um, said, toxic Christianity is not just the stuff we don't like or the stuff we disagree with. It's not just the stuff that we're not supposed to believe because our pastor or someone else at church told us not to believe it. Because you all know that you don't believe things because I tell you to, right? That's not the way it works at Home Gateway. And just because something is really, really hard does not make it toxic. Because sometimes things are really hard and they're good for us and the world. But she encouraged us to judge the truthfulness, the worthiness of a belief by the fruit that it produces. The fruit that comes from believing in that belief and letting it play out through our actions. So, today's toxic belief is God wants you to be rich. It's definitely an idea that's out there, as you can see by this six different book covers by this title. Because the truth is, God wants you to be poor. Jesus said to the disciples and said to someone else, sell all you have and give it to the poor. But we'll talk about that more in a little bit. So this idea that God wants you to be rich comes from the prosperity gospel, which is Um, alive and active in our society and in other societies as well. Um, Many proponents of this um, gospel, this prosperity gospel, are um, rich themselves, quite rich themselves, because you wouldn't believe that God is going to bless you with riches if you're good if you weren't actually yourself rich, right? So, um, but the, uh, the idea is that money comes from heaven, right? If you pray right, 
money will fall upon you. So here's a little definition of the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel is the doctrine that God wants people to be prosperous, especially financially. Adherents to the prosperity gospel believe that wealth is a sign of God's blessing, and the poor are poor because of lack of faith. So it's not just that I've been blessed, but if, if you don't have money, it's because God doesn't really love you, or you aren't doing something right in your life. Something's wrong with you if you're not rich. So, um, I love this. These are some of the people who propose this idea. And I really love this line, my pastor has the biggest house. Because if, if your pastor has a bigger house than my pastor, then your pastor definitely has, you know, it has the right message. Because if pastor has a plane and a Mercedes and a mansion, then they, they really got the way of Jesus. Except that Jesus lived his life teaching others the way of God while homeless and depending upon others to feed and care for his needs. And he never achieved success. He was killed. So somehow this message is out of line with the person that they're supposed to be following. Quite out of line. So back to that story. Jesus is out and about with his disciples wandering around without a home, looking for meals wherever he can find them. And someone comes seeking him. I'm reading from Mark chapter 10, beginning in verse 17. When, and I'm reading from the, message, the version called The Voice. When Jesus had traveled on, a young man came and knelt in the dust of the road in front of Jesus. Good teacher, what must I do to gain life in the world to come? He asked. Jesus responded, you are calling me good? Don't you know that God and God alone is good? Anyway, why ask me that question? You know the commandments of Moses. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not slander, do not defraud, and honor your father and your mother. Yes, teacher, I have done all these since I was a child. Then Jesus, looking at the young man, saw that he was sincere. And he responded out of his love. him. Son, there is still one thing you have not done. Go now 
Sell everything you have and give the proceeds to the poor so that you will have treasure in heaven. After that, come follow me. And the young man said, sure, I'm right on it. The young man went away sick at heart at these words because he was very wealthy. And Jesus looked around to see if his disciples were understanding his teachings. He said, Oh, it is hard for people with wealth to find their way into God's kingdom. His disciples asked, amazed, what? Jesus clarified, you heard me. How hard it is to enter the kingdom of God for those who trust in their wealth. I think you'll see camels squeezing through the eye of a needle before you see the rich celebrating and dancing as they enter into the joy of God's kingdom. The disciples looked around at each other, whispering, Then who can be liberated? they asked. Jesus, smiling and shaking his head, said, For human beings it is impossible, but not for God. God makes everything possible. This story is a bit challenging, isn't it? Jesus explained what was needed to follow him, and it was not to imagine your best life now. It wasn't to become successful by society's standards. It wasn't to prosper financially. It was to sell everything that you have and give it to the poor. Jesus tells this man who comes to him for guidance and advice what is needed for him to live a full life in God and what is needed to follow Jesus. And he said, sell all you have and give all your money away to those in need. And he didn't do it. But the truth is, some people did. But we'll get to that in a minute. A few verses later in this chapter, actually the immediately following verses, there is a verse used by prosperity gospel proponents to promise you riches and wealth. I would say by distorting its message. So let's read a little bit more. The disciples have left everything, everything to follow Jesus. They've left their family, they've left their livelihood, they've left everything behind, 
And here they are wandering around with Jesus. Following him, looking for food for every meal, wondering where they're going to sleep at night. This is the life that the disciples have chosen in following Jesus. So the disciples have heard this message and Jesus is saying, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard and people aren't going to qualify. And so the disciples say, Peter says for the disciples, Master, we have left behind everything we had to follow you. Just a reminder, Jesus, we actually did what you are asking this guy to do. And so, so we qualify, right? We're in, right? We're good. Jesus says, that is true. Like, I hear you. I know. I know. You're with me. He continues, and those who have left their houses, their lands, their parents, or their families for my sake and for the sake of the good news, wait for it, will receive all of this 100 times greater than they have in this time. Houses and farms and brothers and sisters and mothers and children, along with persecutions. And in the world to come, they will receive eternal life. So what do you think the prosperity gospel proponents do with that verse about giving up something and gaining something? And Jesus is saying to the disciples, I know you've given up a lot, but you are going to get a lot. You already have a lot. You're going to get even more. Is Jesus talking about the disciples being wealthy and having more farms at the end of this journey with him? I don't think that happened. I don't think any of those disciples suddenly became leaders in their community and the wealth all poured into their coffers. But according to televangelists and pastors who preach the prosperity gospel, this 100 times greater verse is used to preach that if you give me and my church Money, you will gain a hundred times what you give. It's the hundredfold promise. Gloria Copeland says, if you give a house, you will get 100 houses. Or you will get a house that's worth 100 times more than the house that you gave. Or if you give a plane, you will get 100 times that worth of that plane. Anybody have a plane to give? She says, this is a quote, Mark 10.30 is a very good deal. (laughs) It's a very good deal. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) If you invest in something and you make two times the money that you invested in it, that's a good deal, right? So if you get 100 times your investment, your gift is going to not double. It's not going to triple. It's not going to quadruple. It's going to be 100 times. And it says so in the Bible. Jesus was not talking about possessions. 
Jesus says, sell all you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me and you will be blessed. You will be blessed with community. You will be blessed with peace. You will be blessed with compassion. You will be blessed because you're going to change the world and make it a better place. That does not mean you're going to be rich. We were reminded this week by a young prophet, Greta Thunberg, the fallacy of eternal economic growth. We have been sold a bill in our society, in our economy, in our system called capitalism, that we can forever increase production, that we can forever increase consumption, that productivity will just get more and more and more. But the truth is there are a limited number of resources on this planet. There is enough. There is enough if we all just get what we need rather than all we want. We have to learn that enough is enough. Another prophet for our times is Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove, who is a new monastic and a leader in the Poor People's Campaign, author of several books, and a person who lives the life that he says we all should be living in authentic ways. And the work of the people produced this video with him asking him about the prosperity gospel. And he's a person who lives with people in poverty. So I really respect what he has to say about it. So let's take a listen. So one of the things I realized talking to my neighbors is that this uh, prosperity gospel uh, that's, uh, you know, running wild in South America and in Africa, uh, it's, it's live here on our streets too. And uh, in places like this, the prosperity gospel really sounds like good news. Uh, whether you drive from here to one of the mega churches where uh, people are, are, are preaching it and practicing it or, uh, or whether you turn on your TV and see... Uh, you know, one of the folks with bright, shining smiles uh, telling you that, that God wants your best life now. Uh, this, this, this idea that, uh, uh, you know, that, that God wants to make you rich is, uh, is appealing to people who have kind of been kicked to the curb uh, for so long and who've been, uh, who've been told that, you know, the good news is there for you and the sweet by and by and uh, what you need to do is just hold on to God's unchanging hand and continue suffering and, uh, and maybe, you know, sustain yourself on your welfare check. Uh, unless we get the government to cut that too. And I think, um, I, I think what, I, what I want to say to the prosperity gospel is that it's partly right. You know, the reason it's so appealing uh, to, to, to neighbors here is because it's saying God has something to offer you in the here and now. And, uh, and I think people who, who know Jesus and who read the stories about Jesus and who read the stories about the God of Israel, you know, who, who brought him up out of Egypt and through the Red Sea and got him out from under Pharaoh's grip, they know that, that, that this God is somebody who wants to change the real material circumstances of our lives in the here and now. And yet it's, 
it's such a tragedy uh, to see the, the kind of content of the gospel turned into the American dream rather than the good news of, of God's abundance that, that Jesus tries to communicate in, in the gospels. And, and so these, these tactics of Jesus uh, for, for a good life in the here and now, I think is a, is a real alternative to this health and wealth gospel that, uh, that gets so many people excited, but I think ultimately leaves us disappointed because even though the preacher is driving the, the Rolls Royce, most of us aren't going to get to. And as a matter of fact, you know, uh, the poor widows keep throwing their mites into the coppers to, to keep the pastor in his Rolls Royce uh, uh, while at the same time they're not able to pay their bills. And, and what Jesus offers us is this uh, incredible opportunity to step into the abundance of God, the God who created everything and who insists that there's, there's always enough. And yet the only way... Uh, to enter into this economy is to uh, take what we have, even the little that we have, to break it and to share it with, with neighbors. It's like that story that's told in all the Gospels of, of Jesus after he'd been teaching folks all day. You know, folks folks like our neighbors here who've, who've had a rough run of it, suffered all the isms and, and had their backs against the wall. And, and they've come to Jesus because Jesus is preaching good news of healing and restoration. And and, and it, Jesus has been preaching all day. And the disciples come to him and say, hey, you got to send these people home. You know, they don't have uh, anything to eat. Uh, and uh, Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? And the disciples kind of look at each other and say, uh, you know, um, we'd have to work six months, get enough money to feed all these people. And, you know, besides, there's no Walmart to run buy food at. And, um, and Jesus says, what do you have? And uh, they pull out this little sack lunch that a kid uh, was, was willing to show. And, uh, you know, there's a little bread and some fish. And Jesus says, give it to me. And he takes it. And the Gospels say he, he breaks it and he blesses it. And he hands it back to them and says, distribute it to these folks. And, and in little groups, uh, uh, here and there, scattered on the grass, you know, right at the ground level, uh, it, people start eating it. And, uh, and this miracle happens, this miracle of multiplication and abundance. And, and, and Jesus sends the disciples back around and says, you know, gather up the leftovers. And so uh, they come back and every one of the disciples has a basket full of leftovers. And, and, and it's almost like Jesus is looking at them and saying, you see, there's enough for all of them and more than enough for you uh, to, to have leftovers if, if we're willing to break what we have. And, uh, and I think that's the good news of, of God's economy. Uh, not that God wants to make you rich. Not that you're going to get to drive around in a Rolls Royce if you'll just give everything, give your whole self over to Jesus. But rather that uh, the good news is that if you take what you have, however little it is, break it and bless it uh, and share it, that there's enough for everybody and that that uh, weaves us into a new kind of community, a community where the, uh, uh, like Paul says, uh, whoever uh, has too much, uh, whoever gathers much doesn't have too much and whoever gathers little doesn't have too little because there's enough for everybody. I think that's the good news of manna, the good news of, uh, of God's abundance in, in this new economy. I mean, it just sounds silly. I mean, how can I actually work here now? Well, uh, I mean, I think about um, that hillside and uh, those people who were really hungry. Uh, uh, that's that's grassroots, you know. They're, they're sitting there on the grass in the here and now. Uh, it's it's not a promise for uh, you know that uh, that great beautiful green field. Uh, where the lion will lay down with the lamb one day. Uh, of course, you know, we hope for that, and there is an end to this story. Uh, but the incredible thing about the gospel, uh, the incredible thing about Jesus, is that the end has interrupted us in the middle. <laughs> and we've, uh, 
we've had, I mean, Jesus is the fulfillment of all things. Jesus is the new Jerusalem, all wrapped up in one person. And, and here he walked among us. And uh, here he goes all the way to the cross to show us what God's love looks like. And here he is on Easter morning, uh, out of the tomb, uh, uh, you know, unbound, uh, at large in the world. And uh, we're not quite sure where we're going to find him. And he's going ahead of us in the Galilee, so we can't claim, you know, that he's, that he's right here. We can control him. But lo and behold, you know, for the rest of the New Testament, there's this conviction that, uh, that the Spirit of God has descended on this people called church and made us into that body. And so the, the end that interrupts us in the middle uh, is the church. And uh, however uh, messy it is, however uh, hard a time we have figuring out what it means to be church, uh, what it means to live out and participate in this new economy, uh, we know it's possible because Jesus is risen and the Spirit's at large and uh, uh, we can participate in it where we are. However little it is, and bless it, and share it, there is enough for everybody. That is the good news. So maybe God doesn't want you to be poor. But the truth is that God wants everybody to have enough. And that means that God wants an economy, a system, a way of sharing that doesn't make some people rich at the expense of others. We speak it actually every week here at Hope Gateway. In the words, in Jesus' words, or interpreted, interpreted versions of them when we say the Lord's Prayer together. Jesus' words put into life the lesson that the Israelites were taught in the desert when they were given manna each and every morning to sustain themselves, free food without labor. They learned to depend on God daily, and God always met their needs. And so we pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our bread for today. Not give us that bank account so that forever and ever we won't have to worry. Because we're taken care of by ourselves. So here's a few versions of this line from the prayer. Provide us today with what we need to be nourished in body, soul, and heart. With the bread we need for today, feed us. Give us this day the bread we need. Give it to those who have not. And the words we will share today, give 
us each day that day's bread. No more, no less. May we remember this. May we live it. May we go, let go of all that stands in the way of truly following Jesus. Amen.